Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, and boys and girls, and everybody who's listening to the latest edition of A Priest, a Minister, and a Rabbi Walk Into a Radio Station. I am Jay Horrigan. I thank you so much for taking some time out of your day and joining us for this special show. Uh, as always, Pandora Carlucci is here to keep me on the rails or off the rails, whatever is the best way to go. Pandora, how are you? I'm off. I'm, I'm actually okay. I got to say I'm sort of thrown by the whole rails thing. But, um, <laughs> thank you for the great welcome. And it is always a wonderful show and a great time to gather together. Yes, it, it is. And, and the last month, unfortunately, I wasn't here, but it was a, another tremendous show by everybody involved. And Pandora, you, as always, did a great job in kind of, uh, we'll stay away from the rails, commanding <laughs> the ship in that one. So thank you for for doing that uh, for all of us last month. Oh, you are most we welcome. We had a great time and um, everyone contributed. We had a, a very thoughtful discussion. Excellent, excellent. Well, as always, we're, we're joined by three members of the local clergy. And we're going to start with Reverend Kathy McAdams. Reverend Kathy, how are you today? I am good. I'm just thinking how ironic it is that in all the time we've been doing this show, and sadly it's Reverend Eric's last show, but we still have not actually walked into a radio station. <laughs> so um, That is so true. Maybe when we actually get a chance to do that, Eric can come back as a special guest. <laughs> that would be awesome. Well, I think yeah. I don't I'm speaking for everyone, but I think everyone is in agreement. Reverend Eric uh, is always welcome. He he is a, as the th other two are you. You folks are all special guests every month. So we're lucky to have had the three of you really join in and make this show what it is. But that would be uh, Reverend Eric extra special guest uh, yep. for him to come back. Uh, Reverend Kathy, just while we're talking to you, how were things with you, your congregation, so on and so forth? Good. Well, you know, St. John's, we've been dealing with the same thing everybody has, that darn Omicron variant. And, um, you know, pretty much everybody has been touched by it, had at least one family member get it. Um, Fortunately, I think most of our congregation is vaccinated, so symptoms have been mild. Nobody has gotten seriously ill. It's, you know, a pain and a nuisance at this point. And so our Sunday school is going uh, virtual for a couple of weeks just to see if things calm down. And the church is going to be virtual on Sunday because of the snowstorm. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, we had our annual meeting Sunday. We have a, a new vestry, which is our board. We had, you know, some people rotate off and some new people elected. And so that's exciting. It's kind of like starting a new year and um, looking forward to whatever that new leadership will bring. That's great. Now, have you folks been able to do much of anything in person or have you held that off? I know you did uh, your things in the fall. Uh, around uh, kind of the harvest time and all that. Um, I know you had the pumpkin sale, but have you done things in person yeah. in the church? 
we've been worshiping in person since July. Um, and we, we were actually unmasked for a few weeks in the summer and then things started getting scary again. That's when Delta started. So we've been, we've been masked. We make sure that anybody in leadership, especially with children or elders are vaccinated. So we're being very careful and you know, it's, it's worked out. Okay. Well, that's good. That's, that's great to hear. Uh, next we're going to, uh, I think just based on on what we have here for our kind of outline, we'll first go to Reverend Eric Cherry, check in with him, uh, see how he's doing. He looks very happy, big smile on his face. How have you been, Reverend Eric? Hi, Jay. Hi, everybody. Great to be with you today. Um, I'm generally doing pretty well. Um, I uh, completed my ministry with First Universal Society in Franklin, um, on the 20th of January. And um, I think since the last time that we had the show, we've been through um, uh, winter holidays like Christmas Eve and the arrival of the new year. And FUSF celebrated uh, and acknowledged those um, those special days in uh, with, with a lot of um, uh, enjoyment and um, uh, reflection. And um, it was a a real pleasure and honor for me to be a part of that as I was winding up um, my my ministry there. And um, you know, it, this during the program today, we're going to be talking about um, farewells, goodbyes, and um, I'm doing a lot of uh, personal reflection on um, on how that works. How, you know, what what that's uh, like uh, at this um, this point for me. There were, I'll say more, but um, what I'll say at this point is that um, the uh, th that there are often attempts to have like one goodbye, and the way that life works is that there are a series of um, of goodbyes, and I'll I'll speak theologically later about how it's kind of an a, a, a um, an eternal series of goodbyes, but, but one of the uh, the ones that really stood out for me was. Um, a uh, an Eagle Court of Honor for uh, Boy Scout Troop 126, uh, just a few days before my last day with the congregation. Uh, the first um, in-person Eagle Court of Honor uh, since I've been the chaplain of the troop and um, uh, a really special opportunity to both celebrate and say farewell, which is kind of the two sides of the coin anytime that we're really acknowledging a um, uh, a goodbye. So that's kind of how I'm doing. Well, that's that sounds like that had to be a pretty neat uh, event, uh, especially as you said, you really you haven't had anything in person to be able to do until that event. Maybe a little bittersweet uh, on both sides, but just the excitement of actually being in person with people, I think, is at least for me that that's been a huge part of the last couple of months. Yeah, I mean, I should say the troop has been doing a lot of in-person stuff over yeah. uh, you know, the past six months, but there hadn't been an, an Eagle Scout Court of Honor in person uh, since COVID. Well, that's awesome. Awesome for you to also be there too. I think what's kind of special, especially nice about that is that the Eagle Court of Honor, it was one of the goodbyes for you, but an Eagle Court for a young man often that Eagle Award is the one of the few things from our life that we include on a resume or vita as we age. All the other 
accomplishments of you know high school and such uh, they fall off but eagle it's one of those ones that you move forward so it was as you said it's a goodbye and a hello it's a celebration and a goodbye it was nice that that opportunity blended your chaplainship with that organization yeah i do i will pandora respectfully disagree with you because i still have on my resume that I did a tap dance in fourth grade in the musical. So uh, I feel that should be constantly shared, even though I am 60 years old now, you never know. I still have those tap shoes in the closet. So you never know when it'll be time. Uh, now we're gonna move on <laughs> after that. Sorry, Rabbi Tom. We're gonna uh, initially check in with Rabbi Tom, see how things are going in your ministry and it, all the people in your congregation. Great. Well, as somebody who never got past second class in scouting, <laughs> I am uh, very impressed with the Eagle Court of Honor. Long story, uh, but uh, uh, things are are good. You know, we um, our congregation had stayed just you know we have this very small room for our services and not great ventilation, so we had held off and held off and finally we had decided we were ready to open up and we opened up around Hanukkah and we were just moving along and then now we're closed back again. Our uh, reopening committee which advises uh, our board um, has advised us to, to close everything down for a little while and they're going to meet again uh, in the middle of February. The board's meeting shortly after that and our hope is that we'll be able to start opening up again. I, I I never really expected to pay as much attention to wastewater statistics as I have been doing. It was not on my list. But, um, you know, if those numbers continue to be good, then uh, I think we're going to start, you know, getting ready to open up. And of course, someday, it will be spring. I mean, this is New England, probably won't be until May, but someday it will be spring. And then, uh, uh, you know, we'll definitely be able to open uh, windows and doors and the like. That, that's a great comment, Rabbi Tom, um, about the wastewater statistics. You're right. It, it is, as you're growing up, no matter what part of the country you grew up in, you never really wanted to hear the breakdown of the wastewater. And now, that's one of the key statistics that we're all kind of following to see how things are within the state. So I, I thank you for bringing up uh, the wastewater statistics. Somebody, somebody had to be the person in this group that did that, and that was my job. Yeah, well, that's in, and that's why you're one of the leaders here. So uh, now that we're talking to you, Rabbi, we wanted to uh, allow you to talk about uh, and address and share your feelings and your thoughts, as well as members of your congregation, how that has gone over the uh, incident in Colleyville. It, it's not an incident. I, I, I use that word for lack of a better word. I'm not really sure what word to use. Yeah, so this, when we're recording this now, it will be two weeks ago this coming Saturday. I don't know when people will be hearing it, but uh, you know, was having a quiet Shabbat. It's supposed to be a very peaceful time, and uh, got this word about what was going on in Colleyville. Um, and this is uh, Rabbi Charlie Citron Walker is a 
fellow reform rabbi, so I know him a bit. I certainly know many people who know him quite better than I do. And, you know, this is... Uh, this felt real. I, you know, was asking, you know, what would I do in this situation? What would happen? Uh, my congregation is um, dealing with it. We had a service last uh, Friday night. We were joined by several members of the Franklin Interfaith Council, including uh, Reverend McAdams, for which we she deeply appreciate, and she said a few words on behalf of the council. We had a very large attendance. Uh, that people needed to be together, even if it was just by Zoom. You know, we're 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 dealing with the rise of anti-Semitism. That's deeply concerning, and there are things that I think we need to do as a society about that. And our synagogue is again being reminded that no place is absolutely safe. Uh, you know, Colleyville is a community much like Franklin, um, and uh, and after you know, we could sort of say, well, we're not a big city; no one's going to be interested in us. But not so clear. So, you know, we, we have uh, good security measures. We are uh, looking at them all over again, though, and seeing what we can do to be better prepared. And, uh, you know, we've I've gone through active shooter drills. I know what you're supposed to do, but, you know, that's time for a refresher on those. And uh, for our congregation, too, to learn and make sure that we're doing everything. We're, we're, uh, uh, we're constituting a... You know, we've had people working on this individually. We're now constituting a formal security committee that will be a permanent uh, part of our landscape going forward because um, I think as a synagogue, we're going to have to live in that world uh, for the foreseeable future. I, a few years ago, around this time of year, actually, um, I was, my wife and I uh, were in Amsterdam and wanted to go to uh, Shabbat evening services at a synagogue there. And we had to call in advance to give our name. We had to bring our passports, and there was, a, and you know, it was, you know, where the synagogue is, even if you don't have the exact address, because it's where the the person with the submachine gun uh, is standing. And we had to go through a couple of security barriers, talk to the to to, to the guards, and to be allowed in. And uh, you know, I was thinking, well, you don't have to do that in America, but I don't know how far it's going to be before we'll get there, and I'm hoping it doesn't come to that. It, Rabbi, uh, just listening to you talk, and thank you so much for the all of those thoughtful words. It just makes my skin crawl. Someone here, a friend of ours from our town, has to talk about doing active shooter drills and talk about forming a security committee for your synagogue. It just, I, I can't even wrap my head around it. And you're more impacted with you and your congregation. I, I, I give you credit for being able to talk about it. I don't know how many of us could and, and kind of keep our cool. So I, you know, I thank you. It, you get you have two choices when something like facing this kind of a situation. You can just hide and pretend it isn't happening and don't go out and don't continue. Or you can say, no, we are here. We are a legitimate part of this landscape. And we are going to celebrate our Judaism. We're going to be safe, but we're going to celebrate our Judaism. And that's what we've insisted on doing. It's what the Jewish people have done now, you know, for, for their entire history. You just can't, you can't let them win. Amen to that. I I, I think all of us, and I'd love for 
anyone else to to join in. Ten years ago, who would have thought ten years from now we'd be talking about this? You know, it, it's it's just crazy. Yeah, you know, um, my congregation is looking at disaster planning, but the kinds of things that we're thinking about is what to do if somebody has a heart attack in the church, or if there's a flood, or something like that, or maybe mm. we should get Narcan training. But mm. the the fact that you have to think about active shooter training just I mean, it makes me sad and it makes me angry. And I'm really sorry that you have to do that. I would agree because um, you would think that a synagogue, a house of worship, by the very essence of its being, would be a safe place. And when that safety is being violated, it is so very difficult. And that's when, as you were saying, you won't let them take that from you. And how important the strength of that statement is that you will hold on to it. I also just want to thank Rabbi Tom for being the leader that he is and um, for um, uh, for being present to Franklin in the midst of challenging times like this. I want to also note that um, the, that the reality of anti-Semitism in our culture is uh, is real and you know can't be minimized or, or diminished. And it's also true that um, the the widest religious landscape of all of our religious traditions have also felt the um, the damage, the violence of um, active shooters in our sanctuaries. And um, uh, it's a, a really a reminder to all um, religious communities to uh, not pretend otherwise uh, and to um, take responsibility for making our uh, worship spaces, our sanctuaries, as safe and as they can be, to be as prepared as we can. Um, and I, I'll just note that in my tradition, one of the uh, terrible, um, uh, uh, violent um, uh, activity uh, incidents was uh, in uh, in Knoxville, Tennessee, um, and um, this was uh, about ten or fifteen years ago now. And while it was devastating, uh, you know, uh, children and adults um, uh, suffering from um, uh, a deranged person with a with a shotgun killing people, um, it was also the inspiration to um, create a, a, a new justice campaign that um, is has really become a um, a call to action in uh, our movement and and beyond, and um, uh, that. Um, you know, that's not inevitable. It's not inevitable that something good comes out of something terrible, but um, it can happen. And um, in some ways, um, maybe it's uh, what faith asks of us. It is. And people that are listening to the show, I I, I want people to understand, uh, we realize that this happens to all religions, uh, oppressed groups, um, you know, we've seen this violence, unfortunately, I, as Rabbi Tom was talking, I, I, it brought me back. I remember the night when they broke into the news about the shooting in Charleston, South Carolina, back in 2015, where nine African-Americans were killed. But again, not just religious persecution, we get individual persecution for your your gender, for your 
religion, for your sexual orientation, whatever it may be. We're fortunate to have Rabbi Tom who has some great knowledge, direct knowledge, and has had to deal with these kind of situations. And that's why we brought that one up specifically. And unfortunately, it's the most recent occurrence. It'd be great if we never had one again, but the reality is we seem to be having them more often and not less often. And the thing, I appreciate that. The thing I would add to that is that hatred of any particular group needs to be understood and learned about on its own. Each one has its own particularities, its own style, its own, let's say causes, because the causes are essentially hatred's hatred, but, the, but it has its own manner. And it's really important for each of us to take the time to learn what anti-Black racism is really about, what it, how it got started, how it works, what anti-Semitism is about, how it's like and not like anti-Black racism, how you know uh, the, the homophobia works and how it is and isn't like each of the other ones and so forth. They're, they're all, they all have their own particularities and we do ourselves a disservice if we just lump everything together. It's important to remember each one and learn about each one. I think that's great, Rabbi. Well, thank you, Rabbi. And, and thank you all on the panel for discussing this and gave us a lot to bring forward with us as we try to educate ourselves and become more informed um, members of the community. I, I think especially your, your last remarks, um, Rabbi Tom, about looking at the different times of anti-Black racism, anti-Semitism, um, hatred through uh, homophobia. There is a lot to learn as we look at each one, and um, it will help us to be more proactive and be more aware of as we stand up against this type of negative thinking. Very difficult. But this, this has been sort of a, a heavy uh, discussion, and we're going to kind of change gears here a little bit to um, what is our focused conversation for the day. And um, it's about, we sort of gave you a couple of hints earlier in the show, it's about farewells and goodbyes. And we're seeing this through the lens of a religious leader who is leaving his congregation saying farewell and goodbye and looking at it through as the religious leader makes that decision to, to uh, leave his congregation. And as the congregation is the recipient and sees the religious leader leave and how do we help one another transition and move forward using our faith? And so, as we um, mentioned earlier, Reverend Eric Cherry is, um, has ended his service at, uh, at uh, the Universalist Church. And uh, as of January the 20th, and today is his last show with us. Although um, I think there is some uh, pressure that he return as an honored guest. But... Um, uh, Reverend uh, Eric, if you would kind of lead us off on this conversation of um, you know, saying farewell to a congregation and helping them to say goodbye to you and welcome the future that's going to come to lead their particular house of worship. 
Thanks, Pandora. Well, yeah, so I, what I, at this moment, what's on my mind is that um, is that every time that there's a goodbye, every time that there's a farewell, uh, there is also um, a sense of longing. And um, and what I'm feeling about the radio program right now are um, um, conversations, uh, discussions that um, I long to yet have. And, um, you know, for example, how intolerance gets transformed into dehumanizing violence. What, how does that happen? And weapon loss, loss about weapons. And um, all of those kinds of things are longings. And longings of the heart are always present when, when we say goodbye. Um, and um, that's true in, um, for religious communities. It's true for people who are facing grief. It's uh, true for um, Eagle Scouts that uh, graduate out of um, out of their troop, and for everyone who graduates out of um, a grade or a school. Um, it's a it's a common experience in life, a uh, very very common experience in life. Perhaps it, it's one of the experiences that most universalizes being alive. Is that uh, we are the creatures who experience farewell, who experience the, the, who have experience with saying goodbye. And um, ironically, as is so often the case with these most universalizing experiences, we also attempt to deny it and to, um, to minimize it and uh, to gloss over it. And uh, instead of facing a farewell or a goodbye, a tendency to, um, to run past it. Uh, to um, put it in the rearview mirror uh, rather than um, to approach it um, at, uh, at slow speed and um, uh, with, with attention. I, I think my colleagues and I uh, recognize that when we are able to, uh, to come up to uh, a farewell, a loss or a goodbye uh, um, with um, uh, with um, clarity, with sincerity, with intention, the future actually opens up. When we're able to, to know what the longings that come along with saying goodbye are, uh, they don't limit what tomorrow can be like, but they open up what, what is possible after the goodbye has happened. I trust that that will be the case for the congregation, uh, the Universalist Church in Franklin, a congregation that I came to love, a congregation that um, it is very hard for me to leave, and um, uh, and that that will be the case for um, for my wife and I in uh, the days ahead too. That by grieving, by by being present to the feelings of loss, uh, the longings of the heart, that um, the future opens wider. Uh, and um, I I think that 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 is uh, what faith asks of us. I think there's a, a lot in that. It, it, it sounds, uh, on the surface, sometimes it sounds logical. It is so hard to actually walk that walk of saying goodbye, of, despite the, the strength of faith. It, it, it takes the faith to guide us and, and move us forward without um, going in, in, you know, without uh, betraying the trust of anyone in your congregation. How is the congregation doing? If, if I can pose that question without compromising your answer, if you know what I mean. Of course. Uh, well, um, I can talk about what it was like until my last day. A after that, you know, it, it's it's beyond, you know, uh, what I um, 
uh, am able to talk about. But um, we took a long goodbye. We we took a we intentionally took an approach of a series of um, of of, um, of acknowledging and saying farewell. Um, and um, I think that 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 will help. Uh, I doesn't make it less hard. Doesn't make it less painful. Um, but it it opens up. It makes the future. Uh, more open, uh, less constricted, uh, less fraught, you know, and uh, less anxious. And um, I, I, I have tremendous uh, faith that the congregation is going to be fine, that something beautiful is going to emerge for the congregation. And, you know, there, um, uh, th- that um, will require uh, the grieving process uh, for, for, for me as well as for them. And um, uh, that's the nature of, uh, of, of mortality. <laughs> I like the idea of, that you offered a series of conversations because some of us are able to speak at different times. Everyone doesn't find his or her voice at the same time or that level of comfort. But I have to think that across the series, people were able to come together to find their voice, to find that place of safety. And I, I would expand the conversation and, and say to Rabbi Tom and to Reverend Kathy, I'm thinking that you have experienced, maybe at different points in your career, what Reverend Eric is experiencing now. Would would one of you have a level of comfort or want to share your thoughts along that line? Um, Reverend Kathy. Yeah, um, I've had several occasions of, of leaving a congregation, moving on. Um, and. I think the the thing that I try to do is to help the congregation see that it's their church, that, um, you know, an ordained leader comes in for usually an average of seven years or so. I don't know if that's true across all the traditions, but I, I think um, in many of the mainline churches, that's true. Um, you know, and I've got congregants who have been there for 40 or 50 years, so it's not like I can come and say, this is my church and we're going to do it this way. And uh, I'm, I'm just there for a period of time to, uh, you know, provide sacramental leadership, provide some advice and direction on maybe administrative and programmatic things. And when I leave, they're still there. Um, So it's really important for them to see it as to see that ownership, that they're not lost when, when I leave or when someone else leaves. We actually just had our deacon retire. And so we went through, you know, some of this process of, of saying goodbye. Um, I, I think it's important to have a good goodbye to honor the relationships that were built, that if somebody just kind of disappears, then you start wondering, well, was that real? Like, did, were we really friends? And, um, did I really matter to that person if they can just pick up and leave? And so I think I, I was really uh, encouraging Deacon Maggie to uh, spend time with groups that have been important to her or individuals, especially people she's visited pastorally and, um, you know, to acknowledge the things that we've, we've done together during her time there. And, and also things that we're left undone as, as Eric called them longings that, you know, maybe dreams that didn't get fulfilled, things like that. It's important to acknowledge those. And, you know, in my tradition, we do this a lot faster. I know you had several months, Eric, but um, usually we have four to six weeks. uh, And that's just because 
of the way we go about finding our next call. You know, there's an interview process and, and all of that, which unfortunately drags on and on. But uh, once that call is made, then we need to get moving to the next place. And so, so we, you know, give our notice in our current congregation. So it has to be done kind of quickly. But yeah, I guess that's all I have to say for now. That was actually a lot and, and very thought-provoking. I, I like the idea of when you talked about having a good goodbye, that it honors the relationship of the faith leader, the priest, the minister, the rabbi, and the congregation, because it's, it's, a, it's a two-sided relationship, and, and it validates the work by both sides. And, and, and the particulars do vary, as you said, yours is a, a shorter time period to be able to do that at, at, in, in your faith, uh, the way ministers uh, travel, or priests, excuse me, might change congregations. But the goodbye, the validation of the relationship, and the ability for both to move forward is the same, regardless of the timeline. You've just I thought those are great points, and it gives people that that anchor to hold on to and think about, because it is something, as you said, that the congregation can be there 40, 50, 60 years, and they are blessed by the service of many uh, different ministers, rabbis, and priests, uh, depending on their, their faith. Um, Rabbi Tom, do you want to share some of your... Sure. Um, you know, actually, it's interesting. Uh, for us, the, the goodbye that Reverend Eric was talking about is short. Uh, we typically, because the, the rabbis pretty much all have to, to change congregations on the 1st of July, and the process of searching takes time, it is very common for a rabbi to announce uh, that they are leaving anywhere from eight months to a year and a half before they actually step out the door. So this is a long time to be getting ready to leave and to help guide the congregation as they start looking, uh, you know, not we don't get involved in picking our successors. That would be a terrible idea. But, you know, to help them, the congregation think about the process and give them advice for some suggestions for how to be thinking about who they are and who they've been as they start to think about who they want, either for a permanent position or better and better if you've been there, if someone's been there for a long time as an interim position, you know, and so I, I've, I've been through this and it is, um, it's a long process, but, but I agree with everything that uh, both of my colleagues said. It is something that's terribly important to um, give both the, the clergy person and the congregation a chance to reflect and see what they've done together and why that's been important and where everybody needs to start moving from then on. Um, the, uh, uh, you know, and so it's important to have that. And, I, and I've experienced that in congregations is the, the, just the significance of being able to, to use it as reflection and for everyone to realize, hey, we've done something special. I know, I was also going to say, one of the, in terms of the, the the point about the congregation is is not you know the rabbi or the minister or the priest. That's absolutely right. Uh, um, you know, I, I had a teacher of mine tell me years ago that that my job was to serve God and the Jewish people, and the congregation was the um, embodiment of 
the Jewish of a group of Jewish people trying to serve God. And so my job is not so much for that one congregation as a larger mission of which the congregation is an example. And the congregation in turn has to know that the the the, the rabbi that they bring in is there to care for them and take care of them, but they the most important thing is they have to take care of themselves. And that's their that's their job. I you know I'm not I'm not the magic wand waver. And uh, my congregation knows that. <laughs> so uh, you know so that that's important. I, I just want to say just in terms of saying goodbye, you know, I was thinking with Jewish words about saying goodbye. I mean, I start with um, um, Richard Rogers was Jewish. Oscar Hammerstein came from a Jewish background. So, so long farewell, Avita saying goodbye. That seems good enough. But there is, in fact, a, a tradition in Judaism that when you finish studying a, a text, you say, Hadran Allah, which means uh, we'll be back together. And I think that's important when you say goodbye to anybody, because whether you're physically going to be back together again, you'll be back to what we've learned from each other. You'll have that memory. Something will come back to remind you that that person has made an impress, has, 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 has touched us and uh, moved into our souls. And, that's, and that certainly is how I feel about that Reverend Eric and what he's meant to me, to us on the show. I think that is an awesome comment, and it, it. I hope someday someone says that about me, but I totally agree, Rabbi Tom. Reverend Eric has touched us. Reverend Eric has touched anybody who listened to the show. He has had a positive impact, clearly on the show, but I, I know on both Pandora and my sides we're better off having spent the last i don't even know i can't keep track of time anymore it doesn't really exist um, but whatever it may be reverend eric has made it easier to bear i feel that i'm a better person having spent time with him and and i thank him and i know pandora will as well just everything that he's brought to all five of us and what we've been able to do in the last year and a half. So thank you, Reverend Eric. Jeez, wow, Jake, you're welcome. You <laughs> all are welcome. Uh, and you know, it's it's uh, it's been such a pleasure. So the you know the, again for for me to kind of take a, a a step back from the practicalities, the particulars, and and uh, reflect a little bit. This is this is always always faith in practice you know and um that uh, we're 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 very very slow learners about um the truth uh, that things come to an end and uh we can get we can get better at it and benefit by getting better at it um by um you know embracing the sadness feeling the feelings being present to them having the uh the 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 um the conversations talking about the things that are good and the things that are difficult. Um, and as uh, my beloved colleague, Rabbi Tom was just saying, reminding people that they are always in your heart and that um, in one way or another, whether uh, in, in this mortal plane or in some other way, paths will cross. All of that is, um, 
is uh, profoundly true and worth saying over and over again, not just once, but um, in a series of, um, of ways. And it helps us to practice and to get better at um, living life in the knowledge that things come to an end. I just, I just want to add to that, that yes, our paths will meet again and the relationship will be different. The relationship that we have now is ending and then we start something new. But I want to thank you, Eric, because I think this was, I think this show was your idea. I, I know a lot of us were contacted by the radio station, but I think you were the one that said, let's do something together. And um, so I just want to thank you for that brainstorm and uh, your legacy will continue. It's just been such a joy. I, I I don't even remember those early days very well. Maybe for maybe that's for the best. But uh, somehow, uh, you know, we we figured out that it would be fun to do this, and uh, um, and it's it, you know, it's it's a special thing for um, a conversation across faith to take place on a regular basis in a town, and um, uh, it's really great that it that we've been able to do that. I would echo Reverend Kathy's thank you on that, because when we first started this, I, I believe it was you who drafted our agenda and gave us uh, kind of an outline of what the hour would look like and, and how we would have, you know, congregational updates and, and then, you know, a focused conversation and a spiritual reflection. And you helped to shape the format that the show is today. And I think because of that, you also gave a sense of courage. You know, when you come together for the very first time, everybody has this sort of, you know, idea, but you're really wondering, I, want, I really wonder what, how it's going to all roll out. But you, all, you need that one person that says, we can do it. I know we can do it. We're going to do it. Here it is. And uh, I, I think that you embodied that courage and shared it with all of us so that we were able to do that as well. And I know that your presence has been felt by the greater Franklin community. I've seen you, you know, on the town common and stepping up at other, uh, we've had some very difficult events that have happened in the last 18 months. And uh, you haven't remained just in, on your campus. You've come out into the community and worshiped and shared with all. And that is recognized and appreciated and valued. And as you said, lives on in the heart. Those are the things that live on in the heart, the strength, the word, the passion, the beliefs, and they help us to move forward. And, and we thank you for your gift of those things to all of us. And I, I, I would add to that, that when Pandora, when we first talked about this idea, when Pandora reached out to me, we did not think we would be sitting in our living rooms or dining rooms 18, 19 months later. We thought maybe once we'd get together over Zoom and then we'd, that, as I believe Reverend Kathy said earlier, we would actually walk into a radio station. Uh, we haven't been able to. If Reverend Eric, you've been a leader in keeping this format going along with Reverend Kathy and Rabbi Tom, but this certainly was not what we originally envisioned when we all kind of exchanged emails and talked about it. So being adaptable, I think it, the three of you have been fantastic as well. So we'll miss that from you, uh, Reverend Eric, but I know Reverend Kathy and Rabbi Tom will 
we'll make sure Pandora and I stay adaptable. Just a reminder of us that the show that the show will indeed continue. That, that yes. uh, Pastor Jacob Junker from uh, the Franklin United Methodist Church will be joining us. Uh, uh, we're joining uh, uh, Reverend Kathy and me uh, uh, on these monthly programs. So for those out there in Radio Land, as they say, uh, I always want to say those out there in Radio Land. For all you folks out there in Radio Land, keep tuned. We'll ha we'll have another. Uh, minister, priest, and rabbi, or priest, minister, rabbi, or rabbi, minister, I don't know, whatever it is. We'll have another one of those. Same bat time, same bat channel. There you <laughs> go. Yeah. Just different bat people. As we do every month, we like to uh, end on a spiritual focus and reflection. And this month, we have the awesome Reverend Kathy McAdams that are, is going to take us through it. So I just have something very brief. Since we are saying goodbye to Reverend Eric, I just have an Irish blessing that I know we've all heard, but I love it. May the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. The rain fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. That was absolutely lovely. Thank you. Thank you, Reverend Kathy. I would like to thank my co-host, Jay Horgan, Reverend Kathy McAdams, Rabbi Tom, our technician, Keith Palmieri. And in a very special way, we thank Reverend Eric. We bid him goodbye and farewell. We wish him happiness and we will carry him in our hearts as he continues this journey. And we look forward to being with our radio audience again as you find us on a podcast or on the radio. Thank you. Thank you.